we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we are good. This is episode 20 of That One Vatos Podcast. And my next guest is one crazy-ass Vato. No, he's not crazy. He's not crazy. I met him in 2013. I was a senior, just graduating. He was a junior, about to become a senior. And we hit it off since then. Um, you probably know him because he's mean on the drums. You probably know him because um, he's very smart when it comes to talking about politics. I don't know shit about <laughs> politics. Or you just know him by being a hood rat off of Marbuck. Mr. Aaron, how are you? How you doing? How you doing? Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure, Jose. Dude, when was the last time I saw you? Uh, I don't know. It's been a few months, I think. A few months? Maybe since like last year. I don't remember when I last saw you, dude. I, I don't feel like I saw either. you at HEB or something. Even though you probably go to the Marbach HEB. Hey, you don't flock from the Bach, fool. <laughs> flock from the bach yeah you don't flock from the bach dude you have everything you need on the on the bach dude you have <laughs> mcdonald's you have Waterburger right next to it oh you that's have right peter piper's sonic kfc popeyes chingos Taquerias. <laughs> you have everything it's beautiful i love the bach dude i honestly didn't know marbach had that stigma until like maybe two or three years ago <laughs> Bro, because the west side that I grew like where I grew up, I yeah. grew up, you know, Meadow West Side, Lanier area. So when I hear that area, when I hear anything beyond 410, I'm like, that's the <laughs> suburbs, fool. What are you talking about? That, that's bougie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. And then, like, you know, as I got older, I got educated in um, Marbachology. Uh, <laughs> I tried to minor in it, but I went to a Southside University. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, um, I just want to put to bed all the uh, all the shit talking on Marbach. Uh, Marbach's not a bad neighborhood. Marbach's not ghetto. Uh, well, actually, every neighborhood is bad if you really want to think about it. Yeah, but true, true. Marbach isn't that bad or as bad as people make it out to be. It's really not. No, it's like not. when I when I showed up, they're like, "You're in Marbach." I'm like, "Bro, like what? <laughs> Time about." What are you talking about? I grew up by the Alazan courts. Like, it makes you think this this area is gonna, you know, yeah, like scare me. you. The only thing that scares me about the Marbach area is the damn drivers, <laughs> dude. Oh, they're yeah. crazy, bro. One of my old coworkers, shout out Chris. He's in our our Dallas hub now. He lived in that area, bro. Tell me why. I'm like, you about to yield, and this car just pulls out of a. A parking lot, like, with no regard for human life and just cuts me <laughs> off. I'm like, what the hell, dude? Hell no. That sounds like Marbach. Yeah, that's, like, nothing new. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's normal to me because I basically grew up on Marbach, like, my whole life. So it's, like, I'm used to all the craziness and all yeah. the accidents and people just, like, jaywalking in the middle of, like, 5 o'clock traffic. Oh, my God. <laughs> dude, so what was it like for you growing up in that area? Like... That's that area is pretty far though for me. Like I don't know. Uh, it wasn't like it wasn't bad. Like yeah, it wasn't anything crazy either. It was just like growing up normal. Uh, my parents like took really good care of my brother and I, and they've always cared for us and always uh went out there went out of their way to uh, make us happy and make us feel loved and. I'm eternally grateful for them, you know? Yeah, dude, your parents seem awesome, man. Like, when I met them at UJW, mm -hmm. and then I ended up seeing them again at Barrio, because I think it was your dad or your mom, they wanted me to recite my West Side poem. Oh, yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was both of them. Yeah, yeah. 
And I remember it was a Sunday, like, we, like <laughs> open mic at Barrios on Wednesdays. So I remember um, that Sunday, I'm like doing work and eating. And they're like, hey, can you recite the poem <laughs> on a Sunday in front of like all this traffic? <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know, dude. No, I'm shy. <laughs> nah, my parents are my parents are like that, though. They'll, uh, they'll go out of their way to like really hear something that they enjoy or just like do something that they enjoy, you know? <laughs> And they're not even into coffee or anything, but they'll, like, always come with me and, like... Dude, that's dope. Along with, to like, coffee shops or bars, whatever it may be. Get all pedo, dude. That's what I wanted, like... I mean, I can't... I mean, I can probably do that with my dad, but... Like, I envy people who can, like, get pedo with their parents and, like, just have a good time. <laughs> when For me, like, when I think about being drunk and shit, I think about, like, all the trauma from my dad being an alcoholic. <laughs> And I'm just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Let's not relive this. <laughs> I don't know. I like I grew up doing that like uh like when I was about I'm getting personal here, but when I was like about like maybe like ten or like eleven or twelve, like that's when I first like had my first like drink of alcohol. Nice. And uh it just like kinda went from there. Like we'd have like family parties or whatever and they'd be like Mijo, here, try this drink. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Bro. just like Crown and Coke or Crown and Sprite or something. And I'd be like, oh, this is kind of nasty. Then like another slip, like few slips later, I'm like, okay, this is good. The, the only time that I tried alcohol on purpose when I was younger is when my Theo was like, hey, like this will clear your throat out. I know like you've been <laughs> yeah. sick. Gave me tequila, <laughs> bro. I threw up, dude. I was like 11. I was like, what the hell? And I was like, man, this this actually worked. <laughs> but well, I think I was like nine when I drank out of one of my other Theo's. Rest in peace, Theo Toby. Um, he was staying at my parents' house for a second. And um, um, I don't know if you remember those plastic cups from H-E-B. They're like purple, green. Like, yeah. They're like, they have the bridges around them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always saw those cups and I would drink like, you know, the... Tampico juice out of there or like the the H-E-B brand where it's like all the fruits in front of it so it's like a purple one or a red one with the fruit punch ones so I was like oh like I think that's my cup that I, I put my fruit punch in there yeah so I drink it dude Dude, it was like Budweiser. I don't know what it was, dude. It was the nastiest thing I've ever like drank and smelled in my life. I was like, what the hell? And once again, little kid me threw up. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Where's my fruit punch? And my Theo was probably like, where the hell is my Budweiser? <laughs> oh, Seth, this is why you just started drinking back, a, back in September. Dude. I know. 24-year-old <laughs> alcoholic. Nah, dude. I remember that. I actually told my friend. I was actually doing work with her at a coffee shop the other day. Her name's Jess. Mm-hmm. Shout out, Jess. She, um, we would talk about that because she's um, a social worker. So yeah, we would. I would be very vulnerable when I'm around her because I knew she would understand. Exactly. Um, so I, I always talked about you know my father being an alcoholic. He's not an alcoholic anymore. Just so people know. Um, so I remember we were talking, and um, so I mean. I found out through therapy that basically this is why my AC stopped. So this is basically why I don't drink because of that. I used to say I don't like it, but it was really yeah. My you dad. just you just have that trauma or not? Bit no, it, was, it was it was trauma, dude. Okay. Like like we when I was seventeen, we got in a fist fight. Like it's definitely trauma. Um, but and that's understandable. Like I don't I don't yeah. blame you, man. I. But I love none of my friends ever gave me shit for it. Like they're like, oh, you want a Red Bull? Like every time I go to a bar, like. 
bartenders would give me free Red Bull. Like, oh, yeah, it's Jose. <laughs> like, he always tips his fat, even though it's just Red Bull. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, I remember she told me one night, she's like, hey, like, we're just going to drink. You're going to get drunk. You know, like, I'll take care of you. So she picked me up. We started, it was a Tuesday, dude. We were just like going to different bars because they were dead. Yeah, it's like up. the perfect time to do it. Like, dude, it was, if you're it was starting out. Yeah, dude, it was such a good time. Like, I had, we had a ton of drinks. Uh, <laughs> I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny, dude. I was like a 24-year-old. Like, oh my God, it's my first time ever getting drunk. Like, this is weird. But I remember uh, talking uh, to... I was talking to her about, you know, just life and stuff. And um, when it got to the last bar, I started buying the drinks because she was buying all of them up until that point. I was like, no, yeah. I, I, I got us now Like at this point. So we got these two drinks and it was like 18 bucks. And I was like, okay. I was like, just keep the tab open. We had like four rounds, right? And um, so I go, I come back, right? You know, I did all my crime whatever, talking to her. I come back to pay the bill, and the bill's only 20 bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. I know I suck at math, but this should be like, what, 18 times 4? 70-something? I don't know. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. Yeah. So, I'm like, is this my tab? And the, the bartender's like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's yours. I was like, are you sure this is right? She's like, yeah, it's right. And I'm like, she probably heard me crying. <laughs> She's like, poor guy. Life is rough for him right now. She's like, I'll hook him up. So I ended up, I tipped her. Like, I matched what it would have been. So that's what I tipped her. But I was just like, oh my gosh. So since then, I just drink casually. Uh, I don't feel bad about it. I don't think about, uh, like, the trauma in my childhood or anything. Yeah. Uh, But you, man, you always drink, man. All the time, (laughs) dude. Like, you're... I remember when we went to SAC together, you'd be like... My beer belly. <laughs> sure, now I'm getting it, dude. All the wine. Um, so when did you like just become like an aficionado of beer? Uh, I mean, like, so like I was saying, like about 11 or 12, that's when like my parents would like give me drinks at like parties or whatever. Or like I have family who lives in San Marcos. Uh, I say San Marcos, but it's a little town called Maxwell, which is like kind of in san marcus okay and uh they have like this huge property and like this like really beautiful house and we'd always go out there during the summer during the winters and we'd all just like hang out and my uh uncle would be like mijo here like get a shot get a shot and i'd be like all right dude so like there'd be like weekends where like i'd be in like a freshman in high school or something and i just like Sunday morning, just wake up hungover. <laughs> I don't think that was like how every freshman in high school woke up <laughs> on Dude. a Sunday morning. But it wasn't until I was about like sixteen, maybe seventeen, yeah. when I like first started like getting into craft beer, and that was because of my brother. Um, Is he older than you? Yeah, he's older than me. Really? Yeah. Why did I think he was younger? I don't know why. He's uh he's four years older than me, so I was. He was like, so he was 21 at the time when I was like 17 and okay. he would like buy me beer and he'd be like, dude, you need to try this. And like, it started off with like Stella Artois, which was at the time craft and now it's not, it's owned by, uh, Abev. Mm-hmm. But, um, then eventually it went on to like Arrogant Bastard and like stuff from Real L and like stuff from Jester King and yeah, like Oasis and uh it just kind of like snowballed from there it was much more palatable for me yeah just because like i was so used to like these macro lagers like dos Equis or like corona or Moldello, whatever it may be you know 
and i was like oh this has like actual taste this is good (laughs) (laughs) so like of course these uh a lot of these beers are like higher in alcohol percentage so like uh like junior year me (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry that was going crazy yeah that was a cute dog (laughs) so like junior year in high school like i'd be going to parties and i'd be showing up with like bombers which are like 750 milliliter bottles or like these like four packs or six packs of like beer and everyone would just be like what are you drinking man (laughs) (laughs) dude that's so funny you're like you you remind me of the uh when i was a server at draft house um just the kind of guests that we would get like dude they were so into the beer dude Mm -hmm. even like my coworkers. And even when I served there, I still wasn't drinking at the time. So I'm like, uh, bro, I didn't, I don't know how, like, I was a great server, but when it came to, like, breaking down a beer, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like, this one's this color. <laughs> I don't know. This one has, like, a nine point whatever percent. Catching us. I don't know, bro. Like, <laughs> it says it's an IPA. I think it stands for, like, India piss something. <laughs> Ipa, can it's Ipa, bro? Like, what? <laughs> Dang. I thought I was serving food, not beer. <laughs> Is uh is this beer supposed to be sour? <laughs> well, I I think there was one time where they had me try a beer. I think it was Blood Orange. That's when like Blood Orange was like not like a, it was something that you rarely had at, at like if you sold it anywhere. Yeah. So like it was always a seasonal thing at Draft House at the time. Mm-hmm. So when I remember when Blood Orange came, everyone was like, "Oh, dude, Blood Orange, bro! <laughs> you can only get these in Austin, bro!" I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, okay. <laughs> Hey, Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, people like go crazy over beer. I kind of used to be like that. I still kind of am. Yeah. Um, But I think I've calmed down a lot uh, as of late. I just kind of get beer that I really know that I'll enjoy and not so much like shelfies and stuff or beer that you can kind of get on the shelf. But I mean, there's still times where I still obsess over beer and I'm like fuck dude i really want to try this <laughs> so i know you're you're a wrestling fan have you tried stone cold's ipa yeah so funny story about that i actually sell that beer for uh, oh nice my, my work my my job um yeah so um that was like something that had been in the works for a while uh with like my bosses in el segundo yeah. in california so people love it down here man like it's a really good beer uh I saw this uh, lady, she called it uh, a Budweiser with balls. And I think that's like the best representation Dude, that's funny. of that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I saw um, Jefferson Bodega has it. I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever, yeah, they sell it there. And I was thinking about buying it, but I'm like, oh, I don't know. Let me ask someone who's actually tried it. Cause like, I'm not a fan of beer, but like I love Stone Cold. I mean, who doesn't love Stone Cold? Yeah. So like. Now that you said that, you know, Stone Cold's talking to me. So he's like, if you want to see Jose, buy some Stone Cold Steve Austin IPA. Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. It's it's a pretty solid IPA. I consider it like a IPA for uh, Bud Light drinkers. Yeah. Just because the, uh, like the beginning is almost like a lager-ish, like, mouthfeel, like, yeah. taste. Yeah. Uh, and then the ending is like you get that notes of like tropical and like hoppy like hops. Mm. I know our, our our hop 
hoppy beers, those are a little bit stronger, right? Yeah, those are a bit stronger. So, like, most beers have hops in them. But it just depends on, like, how much the brewery uses yeah. for the beer, you know? Oh, that's cool. Dude, it's really interesting. Like, when I did the story... Actually, you'd be good friends with my coworker Jimmy Baxter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually the one who um, told me about the Black is Beautiful story. Yeah. He's super... Dude, he lives in Austin, and he drives down here to San Antonio to buy <laughs> beer, try new beers. Like, dude, he's super into it. I'm like... I remember um, <laughs> when we had finished um, doing the story... Because he was there with me. Um, uh, Marcus was, you know, he was just chilling or whatever. And he was, um, Jimmy was like, oh, man, I really want to try it. I'm like, ask him. He's like, no, nah, I don't want to. I'm like, <laughs> my bro, I mean, you're into it, whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure he won't say no. Yeah. Um, and I was like, so I went up to him. I was like, hey, man, um, so how does this taste? You know, uh, I'm not into, I told him, I was like, I'm not into beer. Like, I don't, I'm not a beer drinker. I was like, but he's into it. How does it taste? He's trying to figure out how it tastes. And like, oh, you want to try it? And I was just like, there you go. Like, dude, like, see? like <laughs> That's the way, like, most beer people are. I think, like, just because craft beer to a person that's never tried craft beer before uh-huh. is almost like a gateway. It's like a, it's like a gateway to, like, drugs, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? That's a, that, I'm joking. Kids. I am wearing my dare hat. <laughs> dare. We give hugs, not drugs, in this hugs, household. not drugs. No, it's... It, I'm over-exaggerating. I'm gonna but... put my hat on right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... It's, uh... Especially with something like Black is Beautiful, like, you kind of want everyone to try it, even if they don't like stouts, or yeah. even if they don't like craft beer in general, because Black is Beautiful, what they... What Marcus did for that was a beautiful cause. Yeah, like, dude, it was incredible uh over what is it are they over a thousand breweries already they were at nine something when i did the story and that was at the beginning no at the end of june actually Mm -hmm. because they uh launched it july 4th that's crazy one guy in san or a team of people in san antonio did this global thing like that's what makes me proud of san antonio i'm like bro like we have so many incredible people out here yeah, and I think you were also there, like the the release day on July fourth. Like Dude, I'm it sure was you saw nuts. the lines. Yeah, bro, all around Embassy, wrapped around West Avenue, <laughs> all the way down to like Wurzbach uh, Parkway. I was like, bro. Yeah, like people really enjoy and love craft beer, and especially if it's for a good cause like that, and to bring awareness to something uh, that should have been that should have been talked about that should have been brought awareness to like a long time ago you know and better late than never but i'm glad people wrapped i waited two and a half hours just to get my four packs yeah dude i was was out there for like an hour and a half and then i i wasn't even i was my day off Mm -hmm. but i wanted to capture some video and send it to um our producers just so they can have like hey this is what it looks like right now yeah actually said it only just did a story on this um and to me like yeah it it was worth it like it was really cool to to witness and stuff um now that you brought up you know something that's like kind of that that is a social issue um what got you into that because i remember when i first met you like when you would talk to me i'm like bro what is it like what is (laughs) like you were talking about turkey stuff that's happening like international i'm like bro like what is he talking about like bro if you're not talking about the Spurs in the NBA Finals right now because they were in the <laughs> yeah, NBA Finals yeah. at the time. I don't care what you're talking about. But it was really cool because 
we when we did UJW, we covered stories that typically high school kids don't mm-hmm. um, do. And I remember <laughs> that is not me. I'm drinking a Gatorade. <laughs> That's me. I'm sorry. I'm drinking my Gatorade while wearing my dare hat. <laughs> but um, we were covering stories that typically high school kids don't cover. Yeah. And I remember, um, and it's kind of cool to see like everyone adapting to the pandemic and doing Zoom interviews. You actually FaceTime interviewed a guy in Turkey, right? Yeah, it was uh, through Skype, but Skype, basically yeah. the same thing. Uh, that was that was a crazy story, and that was like something that was like near and dear to me, just because uh, growing up in general, I think I've like starting in middle school, I'd always been interested in kind of like the Middle East and. Uh, just conflict over there in general and um, I had well before that in 2013 the Arab Spring had happened uh, and a lot of Arab countries such as like Egypt, Libya, Syria and stuff and uh, I had kept up with that and right after the Arab Spring ended which was like just a string of protests against their governments in those countries um those protests in Turkey started happening and I had been keeping up with it. Uh, like the whole point of the protest was uh, the government and these uh, people wanted to build a shopping mall over a very historic park in Istanbul, which is called Jezi Park. And um, it would be the equivalent of someone building like a shopping mall over like central park in new york yeah just imagine how pissed people would be if like that happened you know yeah and at that same time too uh unemployment was like sky high in uh turkey um inflation was really high uh the government at the time was like cutting off their access to the internet clean water food aid and stuff so uh people were just upset and it just sparked large like huge protest all throughout turkey yeah and um i know that there's a lot of uh students that went to or students that live all over texas and that went to sac too that were uh from turkey and just kind of wanted to put a local perspective as like uh you may be home in turkey for the summer or like you're still in san antonio for like the summer and like i want to know how that affects you seeing your friends and family on tv and like getting beaten by police and getting tear gassed and a lot of what's happening now that's crazy right isn't that crazy like like, i don't know dude it's just crazy like how the same things happen in different parts of the world um so what got how did you even get into that like what what makes you want to be in like get educated in that area uh or on those heavy topics that's a good question i <laughs> did you just pick up freaking the the new yorker you saw the new yorker at a at a at a freaking taqueria on marbach you're like <laughs> yeah the new yorker at the taqueria what the hell is this <laughs> no i i think i remember like uh in 2003 when we invaded like iraq and afghanistan like i remember watching it on tv and the news was always on in my house yeah and um i remember like seeing it on tv and it was almost like porn for americans like at the time like just seeing all the bombs dropping like in iraq and afghanistan and i like remember asking my mom like why are they doing that (laughs) she didn't respond to me and um 
Dude, that's like a valid question though to ask. <laughs> that's literally a valid question. Like seven year old me was just like, why are they doing that? Dang, dude. It's a, uh, and I think like that kind of sparked it. And as I got older, when I was like in middle school, um, I just like started reading the news a lot more in general and started reading about like foreign policy and yeah. like just uh, conflict overseas, like protests that were happening. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, that's incredible. So there's just a lot of reading. <laughs> um, what, what do you digest these days? Like as far as like literature or whatever? Uh, I drive a lot for my job uh so i don't really get to read much and yeah. if i am on my phone i'm like responding to text or phone calls whatever it may be yeah. so i listen to a lot of podcasts that one bought those podcasts <laughs> <laughs> exactly that one bought those podcasts no i actually do listen to it i i love to support my my local people hell yeah stay around guys <laughs> <laughs> but uh one that i really enjoy listening to a lot is um popular front it's this podcast by this guy who used to uh report for vice and his name is jake hanneran mm -hmm. and uh he's british has like a super thick like british accent but uh british people are so cool man like shout out to them yeah he's like killing it man he does like stories from the middle east to like wow. china to russia and even to the united states and dude that's scary man like i can't picture myself outside of like i can like taking me out of the west side is like one thing but like taking me out of san antonio into like another state or something or like, even another country that's like yeah. scary because like it's like this is all i know how can exactly. i like i know i can adapt but not knowing the language dude that's that's crazy man was that something that you, you thought about doing yeah that's like something that i definitely thought about doing growing up yeah uh being a foreign conflict reporter but um and it's still something that i want to do till today but i mean life just kind of happens and yeah. uh i like dropped out of school too and i just didn't feel like acad like academia was for me kind of you know yeah. no dude like I, I feel that man like it happens to a lot of people it uh it almost feels like a like a scam and i know that's not for everyone but that's the way it felt yeah. to me you know and i was just like well i'm gonna like major in journalism and i'm gonna apply for an internship and then i'm gonna be broke at the same time too when i still have bills to pay Dude. but like chad and alamo heights is like chilling every weekend and... oh my god dude tell me about <laughs> it bro you're preaching to the choir dude like journalism man like i think i talked to this guy named Marvin Hurst, he works for Ken's Five. Yeah, yeah, I remember Marvin. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah, we met him, mm -hmm. actually. We met him at the journalism camp seven years ago. I remember. We met him at um, Tony G's. Mm -hmm. Tony G's Soul Food. I remember. Um, so, I had him on, and I asked him, you know, like, when I was an intern, you know, all, all but one was paid, and it was Follow Media, and Follow Media paid me handsomely. Um, and we did some really great stories. We, you know, we covered inequality in San Antonio, which is... Yeah, a huge issue. Huge issue here in San Antonio. But, I mean, we were talking about, like, basically, like, how our field of work is kind of classist in a way. It's like, like, for me, like, when I, when I do an internship, it's like, all right, I got to dedicate my life to this, which means I got to give up some shifts. 
some of those shifts are going to pay <laughs> my car, my rent, you know, my food. Your I, phone, which you also need for work. Yeah, your <laughs> for phone, your internship. My phone, um, school, because there was a point where I was paying school out of pocket. So I, I just feel bad for, um, for for kids who come from the same backgrounds where it's like, you know, we, we have to <laughs> we have to work to to survive <laughs> while trying to achieve our dreams. And it's just like, bro, like, this sucks, man. Yeah. Um, how was it for you? Because I know you worked a lot, um, especially when you're an editor for the Ranger. I remember you worked a lot. Yeah, I worked a lot. I uh, <laughs> I worked at a call center. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like pretty miserable. I I worked uh, at the Ranger as an editor. Then I was also working full time at this call center, which was like a third party for Verizon Wireless. Oh wow. So uh, I do like the chat. So I just be like on the computer all day. And, um, I'd like help people out with, uh, like whatever issues they had with like their phone or their service. And, yeah. uh, I got paid decently. It was like at the time for me being like 18 years old, I thought like 1250 was like, fuck dude, this is fucking awesome. I'm gonna <laughs> buy a house and I'm gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. baby. Exactly. <laughs> dude, that's so funny. Soon to realize like after that 1250 isn't nothing. Taxes? What the hell is taxes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that was like really tough, and I think I just got like burnt out with with everything, you know. Like yeah. my mental health was like really taking its toll, and uh, just like dealing with school and like personal like family issues at the time. What year was this? Uh, 2014? 2014? That's right. And then I, like, dropped out of school and I went to school for two semesters. I dropped out of, uh, out of school in, like, 2015, maybe 2016. Yeah, I think it was fall 15 or spring 16, because... I think it was spring. Yeah, it was spring That's 16. funny that that was happening that happened to me that summer, summer 15, because summer 14, bro, I took a main master class, failed it. I took a history two class in summer one. Um, failed that so I had to drop it um, and so I had to teach myself how to study because bro I went to SASD but like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell I was doing I graduated from Northeast but like most of my life I was SASD so by the time you know now SASD is a lot better way better than when, when I was a kid um, but I remember moving or wow, what was I going with that I remember summer 15 comes around and I told myself I'm going to take a, this summer off from school and I did an internship at La Prensa Mm-hmm. And that's when I really got my name out there. I was interviewing Spurs players. I was being comp. That's when I interviewed Shea Serrano. Yeah, yeah. Took a bus and a cab to Houston, and you know we became friends after that. You were just putting in work at that time. Well, you're still putting in work. Yeah, but I was. I you was were killing to, it. Yeah, dude, I was killing it. And then, uh, but I really needed that because I feel like if I would have stayed in school, I probably would have done the same thing. I don't know. Like I was getting tired of working two jobs. I was getting tired of going to school and I'm, I'm not even doing that well unless it had to do with writing yeah when he came to history i was like bro i don't know i don't care <laughs> i got dude i had this one professor who was super biased about everything like if you answered the question correctly if you didn't write it the way he would write it it was wrong <laughs> bro that guy should not be teaching at all yeah um and there's a lot of there's a lot of teachers and professors like that yeah terrible dude so when you do that um what does aaron do after that is he just working? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I was uh, I was working. Uh, I had quit my job at that call center working uh, like third party for Verizon. 
and uh at that time i had saved up a decent amount of money too so um i just took maybe like a month off (laughs) and that sounds really privileged in itself but i mean i had the funds to like just take a month off and that's good man relax and just like revisit myself and think about like what i need and what i want in my life and um i had uh i have a friend named christina we're like really good friends and we've known each other since middle school and she lives in omaha nebraska oh that's <laughs> right you always made trips in nebraska i'm like why is this bottle going to nebraska like the hell is he joining a cold like what the <laughs> yeah. hell the hell to do freaking you're gonna get on a tractor like i don't know exactly just pick corn all day (laughs) (laughs) come back to san antonio and sell a lotus (laughs) exactly a marbach (laughs) that's that's what i did for a minute dude (laughs) Dude. i just haven't sold anyone (laughs) (laughs) don't don't tell my deal he's listening he's listening he's gonna get mad because i told him i'd give him 30 percent of my sales dude that's funny (laughs) so was it like a culture shock when you first went there yeah, it was uh it was like really weird because I mean, all my life I'd grown up around mostly people of color, yeah, uh, but predominant predominantly like Hispanics and um I'd went there and my friend Christina, she's Hispanic as well and she's like one of the only Hispanics in all of Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> and um like going there was just crazy because it's just like nothing but like flat land and although omaha is uh like is a city it's like a really small town like there's not much to do wow. like people think san antonio moves slow go to omaha nebraska for a week and like time just moves so much slower oh over there oh my gosh it's like you walk downtown here and like people are speed walking like to get to their offices or whatever yeah and then like over there people are just taking a stroll <laughs> it's completely different so at that time i i really needed that just to like yeah. get that mental break and uh it also made me like write a lot more too yeah I, like obviously being in journalism i was always really loved writing and um i think like being out there and just being away from san antonio like that was my first time as an adult going outside of texas or outside of san antonio by myself wow and like i'd always go on vacations with like my parents and stuff but you know it's like never the same yeah you're by going yourself. somewhere by yourself yeah and dude, that's cool man holy shit a whole month dude yeah i well i didn't i wasn't in omaha for like a whole month i was like oh, yeah, there the break for like, the break was a whole month yeah okay, like gotcha, the break gotcha. was like a whole month and i was there in omaha for like a week and uh i luck like luckily her parents or her mom loves me and like her sister's awesome too and they let me stay at their house (laughs) and like a complete stranger from texas (laughs) (laughs) and like i slept in their basement and uh i went and it was like a basement in omaha nebraska that sounds like the plot of a horror movie bro there's uh (laughs) well there's tornadoes over there that's why oh damn yeah so they they need basements when you think of tornadoes, what do you? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I think of like the the movie Twister. I think of that, and I think of the King of the Hill episode where Boomhauer is on top of the <laughs> Dale's truck. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's recording with a camcorder. <laughs> That's the first thing I think of Twister because like 
the beginning of it where like the dad like i think it's the dad that flies away or whatever but and then i think of freaking um king of the hill whenever uh like when i was over there and like we'd hang out with uh christina's friends uh they'd be like well what's texas like and i was like have you ever seen king of the hill and i was like and they'd be like well yeah and i'd be like that's what texas is like (laughs) (laughs) really i mean (laughs) king of the hill is the most accurate representation of texas oh my god dude i uh i love watching like just compilations of different characters and like boomhar is my favorite character he's yeah just, like he's of just course so, <laughs> where he goes they, they do a flashback of them going trick-or-treating and he's just like <laughs> come on man, man, man boom man and i'm just like oh my god <laughs> dude i love him and then there's one episode where he talks in spanish where he's like um El Camino, those mujeres. Like, he literally <laughs> says it in that voice. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, dude. So, I mean, what was it like for you just, or what kind of stuff did you watch growing up to entertain yourself? Like, whether it's cartoons, TV shows, or whatever. Uh, I didn't watch a lot of TV, but if I did, I'd, uh, like, watch Nickelodeon. Yeah. Uh, like, when I was in elementary, it was always, like, Spongebob or Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, man. And then once I got to, like, middle school uh like i had a tv in my room but i didn't watch it and i was just like mom like i'm gonna take the tv out of the room she was like all right meal <laughs> so uh like i just read the news a lot like we had a computer in the living room and i read the news a lot all throughout like middle school or just like books Dude, that's freaking dope uh read like a lot of uh I read a lot of books like in middle school and high school. I read like a lot of poetry and just like um, a lot of Ram Dass um, that really shaped me to be the person who I am today. I um, also read like a lot of the Beat Generation uh, like poets from the 50s and 60s like Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg. People like them and stuff. Uh, I also really got into reading uh thomas s hunter (laughs) wow and uh like his like articles and his books were just always a trip to read i thought at the time of course like me being really young uh i thought like fuck i want to be this person (laughs) but now that i'm an adult i'm like i don't want to be thomas s hunter (laughs) oh my god it's so funny to aspire to be that guy (laughs) especially being so young man like I'd like always like talk to my like my mom and my stepdad about it and they'd be like Aaron like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> Sandra Cisneros who <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude um I still remember uh this is like so random but every time you freak up your mom dude <laughs> I still remember when we were at UJW and like the Spurs had lost and y'all saw how devastated I, dude, I, <laughs> yeah. I went back to my dorm, dude, all, all sad and everything. And I remember, I think the next day we had our weekend break where we go back home. And then, oh yeah. So I remember your mom can pick you up and I, I, you, you st- saw that I was still sad and like, you were just like, Hey, were you checking out my mom? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was so random. Like, like I was like, what dude? I was like looking at the ground and like, but that shit just made me laugh and I was like, okay, I feel better now. But I still remember you like, dude, are you checking on my mom? And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, dude, I still remember that to this day. That, that actually made me happy amidst all the freaking... I said uh, a lot of dumb stuff like those two weeks. Dude, you're crazy. Oh my gosh. 
That was a that was a crazy time. <laughs> I remember like us like trying to sneak out too. I know, dude. Dude, Carlos was like a freaking like watchdog, man. Carlos, yeah. I haven't seen Carlos uh, in a while. I wonder what he's doing. But man, Carlos was like my favorite person to work oh, dude, with. He's such he's such a funny guy. He's very like. I can't believe he never like. Like I, I could see him in like a New York Times newsroom. I could see him like, yeah. dude, like the dude is brilliant. He I, has the personality and like, I. Oh, he's he, from New York too. Yeah, dude, he was crazy, man. Um, the last time I saw him actually was at the 2017 Cesar Chavez march, and I remember because I think I was writing for the Tamusa newspaper at the time, mm-hmm. um, and I had saw him, and he was working for a nonprofit, and he was just taking pictures and stuff. I was like, wow, I never thought I'd see you at a nonprofit, you know. <laughs> Dude, because when he would edit my stuff at the Ranger, bro, he would shred it to pieces. Yeah, it's but brutal. like, and not at like a like, oh, this is crap. It's like he'd ask you questions, questions that would be asked by maybe an audience or whoever. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's like I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. And, and that's why editors like have literally have the most important job out of they do anyone in all of journalism. <laughs> they do, man, because you know. They're, they're that second pair of eyes. And uh, I remember when I got to the Express News, Didi, uh, by the time I got to the Express News, this is 2018, I'm a college grad. Yeah. I have all this writing experience um, everywhere. Like I got shredded by Ben Olivo at Follow Media. He made me a better writer. He's incredible. Vince being my mentor. Remember the first story I ever did for Didi? Bro, I never saw so many questions <laughs> on a story in my life. Bro, like, it's so cool, though, when you get humbled, like, you think you're the shit, and I'm like, man, like, you know, I'm doing sports on this side, I, I, I do a story at 7, have it in by 9.30, like, this is cake. Yeah. You know, I love community stories, and she just had all these questions, and I remember the last story that I did for her, before I got to Spectrum News, uh, she's like, I have no questions. She's like, this is the cleanest, um, like, best copy you've ever given me, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> I was crying, dude, I was like, Yahweh. <laughs> it's such a proud moment dude like when yeah. you get better at something um so i'm gonna try and use this as a segue when did you start playing drums because you're freaking incredible at playing the drums <laughs> dude like were you like my first experience with drums was i saw a drum line and i got my color pencils and i started beating my color pencil box <laughs> that's my only experience it's it's essentially how it starts man <laughs> um no i i started i started playing drums when i was like nine uh, Damn. My uh, my parents had got me a drum set for Christmas one year, and it was like a first act like drum set. And yeah. It's just like snare drum, two rack toms, floor toms, bass drum, cymbal, and then hi-hat. And it was like 400, 300 bucks, like beginner drum set. Damn. And I did always listen to like rock music and stuff like that. Like I was a big fan of System of a Down uh, like Slipknot and a bunch of other artists. Love Slipknot, dude. All those, every, basically uh, every Theo's uh, favorite rock <laughs> bands. Like, that was my favorite rock. Those are my favorite rock bands. But uh, I'd always, like, play, like, like along to songs, like, on my thighs, like, in the car, in the truck, or whatever. I noticed you would do that a lot, too. You would always do that, like, 
like if we're sitting down you do that mm-hmm. like i noticed that i'm like is he ready to stab me <laughs> no <laughs> yeah it's just like i don't know like my mind just kind of works that way like and even when like i'm relaxing or like resting or whatever like my hands are still kind of like moving like doing rudiments or whatever so um i had like kept on playing after that and i mean obviously i wasn't good whatsoever yeah and then i had gotten into middle school uh i joined band and uh i like played percussion all throughout middle school and stuff and then in high school like i joined band again played percussion there and stuff and i just got better as the years went along and it was all history from there um Mr. Uh, Mr. Dominguez, my high school band director, him and I used to butt heads a lot uh-huh. just because I was a shithead in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I'm not going to listen to you, dude. Like, you're a bozo. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> like, I was I was that person. And I got gotcha way. I think that was like the I think that was like the mentality of like being a being a drummer, you know, just kind of going against the tide, uh, marching to your own beat. <laughs> and but he like literally got me really good at like drums and um drum set percussion um you had a really great band right stevens yeah we we had a pretty good band uh like when i was there we always got like first place and or second place in competitions uh they like pushed us really hard and if it wasn't for like those band directors, Mr. D and Rubio and Gassiano, um, like I wouldn't be the drummer that I am today. Yeah. And although I gave them a lot of shit and uh, made their lives hell, like they really made me a good drummer. And I think those are the best relationships though, because like you're clashing and like in a way, like you don't realize that you're kind of bouncing ideas off each other. That's how I felt with Trisha. Yeah, like, yeah. Dude, she and I butted heads all the time, and I remember. 2016 she um she told at, at the scholarship gala she told the director of spectrum news at the time hey like she vouched for me like out of nowhere and all i hear him he comes up to me he's like hey or she introduces me to him he's like i heard a lot of great things about you heard you're a fantastic sports reporter from trisha and i'm like she said that i was like what like we hate each other like what she told you that trisha's like one of the coolest people in the world dude like, she's amazing I love man. working with her dude i love her too man like Whenever she asks me, like, speak to my, can you speak to my kids? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Like, I'll stop by, you know, give some kids advice or whatever, dude. Because she's always helped me out. Dude, she helped me out. Like, I use their scanner, actually, to um, sign my contract with Spectrum News and scan it back. Um, so she she helped me out with that. And it was, it was cool that she helped me out with that because it was kind of full circle. Mm-hmm. The reason I got introduced to Spectrum News is because of her. And, you know, sure enough, like, she helped me sign my name on the dotted line. Um, but yeah, dude... Um, so where do you go from there? Like, like, are you doing gigs or like, are you just like, yeah. Kinda... So like, uh, it wasn't until high school. till I was like a sophomore that I started playing in bands, like, uh, started playing drum set in bands. Yeah. And, um, it just like kind of went from there. I mean, I don't think anyone that's in high school can really call their band a band, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, then I played in like, <laughs> a really like cheesy metalcore band with uh these kids that uh lived in my neighborhood uh mark and david and like a few other people i forgot their names 
and uh it was just like really cringy i think there's like still a video <laughs> of like us playing in my garage on youtube or something like that. oh dude that's so dope man <laughs> that's so dope to look back on <laughs> and then uh my junior year i had a uh, i was like still in band in high school uh-huh. and i had met well who's now like a really good friend of mine like i consider him my best friend jordan flores yeah the singer of war stories and like the guitar player who played in surplus um he was a freshman and i was a junior and um him and i just like really connected because we both had the same personalities like we were both just like shit hands (laughs) and um we were like talking and stuff and he'd played drum set too like since he was a little kid and um we had like met up one day and like i took my drum set over to his house and he had his and like we were just like like what drummers call like talking back and forth with each other (laughs) and just like vibing off of each other that is like the coolest thing to see dude i've seen that like a couple of times at concerts and i'm like dude like this is really dope yeah and it was literally like that like the like you you can like, have you ever been in a room with just, like, a lot of, like, creative people and you can just feel the energy in yeah, there and you dude. just, like, thrive off of it and you're just, like, your mind is going? It's exactly the same thing. And um, he had just, uh, he had always, like, played guitar, too. And he was just like, well, it'd be pretty cool to start a band. Yeah. So he started playing guitar and I played drums in the band and eventually we formed a band called Signals with another guy named Jacob Uh and um, we were, I was a junior, he was a freshman, that guy Jacob was a senior and uh, I played drums, Jordan played guitar and then Jacob played guitar too and it was like a alternative emo-ish band Nice (laughs) and um like jordan was involved and and jacob too they were both involved in like the hardcore and punk scene yeah and um we started like practicing and just playing shows and eventually we put out an ep like i was still in high school whenever we put out an ep i was like a senior and uh like people had loved it and we got asked to play shows and stuff and with like hardcore bands and like other alternative yeah emo bands and we had like a big following um after that though we signals had like broken up um and jordan and i still played music together we just like doodle around like it wasn't really anything serious and jordan at the time was in another band uh i forget the name but they had gone on tour and they had gone on tour with uh our friend ozzy who's the singer of surplus and um while they were on tour like they had just like made songs up in the uh in the van like hardcore songs like hardcore punk songs and they'd like play it before like they'd play a set before like their band set you know and um they had come back from tour from like california yeah and jordan was just like well i want you to play drums on this and i was like dude i'm down (laughs) like i had always grown up listening to hardcore and punk music so i was like yes for sure dude that's so dope so jordan and i or jordan had come back from tour and was just like well i want to start this hardcore punk band and i want ozzy to 
be on vocals and I want you to play drums. And I was like, all right, I'm down. <laughs> so like, I think it was like winter of 20, like 2014 or maybe, yeah, it was winter of 2014. So the beginning of your pretty much yeah. Your college, yeah. Yeah, pretty much college. Um, we had like started writing songs and we had like wrote the uh the intro like which everyone if you're if you're a surplus fan everyone goes crazy for but um we had like wrote that intro at jordan's dad's house and then we had also right we had also written uh the passion too uh at his house (laughs) (laughs) it had just like gone from there and Ozzy had like came to one of our practices and was just like going crazy on the vocals. He's just like, dude, I'm loving this. Dude. And um from there, like, we needed a bass player. So uh our friend Gabriel, um, he was just like, Well, I'll play bass for y'all. So we had started the band Surplus. Wow. And that's how Surplus is born. I've always wondered how you guys linked up. I'm just like I think that's cool, like to see this, this like how everyone comes together to form a band. Yeah, like Jordan and I had known each other for a long time, and yeah. then I had met Ozzy too. I had known who Ozzy was because we all went to high school together, um, and Ozzy was also in band too. But if you look at Ozzy, he's a pretty intimidating kind of guy. If you don't know him, <laughs> and I'd be like. Well, I don't like want to talk to him just because he's kind of intimidating. Like, <laughs> oh my god! What if this guy's like just gonna blow me off or something? So like, <laughs> yeah. Now like we're all in a band together, and like from there, um, we had like started playing shows, and like people just loved our music, and I was eternally grateful for everyone who like moshed and sang and yeah during our sets and stuff. It's uh it was awesome to see and it was almost like living out every like 19 year olds like or 18 year olds dream you know nah dude it's crazy i remember i would talk to friends and they're like oh like i love surplus i'm like how big is this band like i knew aaron was in a band but how big are they and then i remember y'all went on tour too right Mm -hmm. like y'all toured like pretty much like texas and like up north right yeah like texas and then like california too we had gone on tour to uh play a festival that was like booked by the record label that we were assigned to oh nice and um we had played with like a bunch of great bands out there um bands that are like super big now for example like hands of god hands of god is an incredible band yeah uh if you like hardcore and music you should definitely listen to them we had played uh with bands like them and um it just like kind of blew up from there and um we got like a lot of attention like from all over the world kind of stuff and it's just hard being in a band though whenever you have like that kind of a that kind of attention because like it's like oh well we should go on tour and it's just like well we can't drop everything that we have in our lives we all have jobs like we all have school like it's hard to drop all of that see that's another thing that sucks too it's like i feel like in every almost every field of work it's Mm -hmm. just like if you have money or if you can afford or be fortunate 
to drop what you're doing for this like you know not everyone can yeah it's like whenever we went on tour to california like i didn't have a job to go back to at that time oh damn (laughs) yeah like my boss was like i had asked uh because like that festival was like booked already and i had asked my boss like maybe a month and a half before like hey i'm in a band like and i'm gonna go on tour i'm gonna need like this amount of days off and she was just like not happening and i was just like all right just walked away from her desk and like went back to work and then a month later went on tour and like just didn't show up for work oh my gosh (laughs) dang dude yeah did anyone did any like cholos and marbuck come up to you and be like hey fool are you a rocker (laughs) (laughs) that's what's up fool (laughs) so like i didn't always live on marbuck uh like the rocker fool thing didn't really become popular until like i was in middle school if i remember correctly yeah and i didn't live on marbuck at that time i had uh lived like kind of near ingram park mall and i'd went to sol ross oh okay and uh going to middle school there was like crazy i think it kind of like prepared me for that's off of callahan yeah off of callahan and it's just like still predominantly like one of the worst schools in all of Northside. Although Northside is like glorified to be like this perfect school district. School district, yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, I remember like in middle school like Trollo's asking me like, Hey fool, you a rocker? <laughs> <laughs> and like we'd wear like uniforms too. We couldn't wear whatever we wanted. Like we had to wear uniforms and I'd be like just because I'm wearing, like, fucking etnies, dude, doesn't, like, mean that I'm a rocker. Tony but Hawk, all right. Tony Hawk's or Kitchen Gals. <laughs> dude, that's so funny. I don't think, like, I don't know, like, like where I grew up, like, yeah, the people that were, like, in, you knew what they were into. I don't think we ever, like, the rocker thing ever became a thing. I think we called it goth. Like, we just said goth. Goth, Oh, yeah. that goth foo or whatever. Or it'd be like, oh, the cholo, or, oh, that's the hooper. Like, everyone yeah. was something. But dude, that's funny. <laughs> Etnies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, like, I was uh, I was basically that, that goth kid in middle school who uh, carried around their binder with, uh, like, the album covers in it. Like, yeah. whenever you'd get the CDs, I'd put, like, the album covers in it. Dude, that's so dope. <laughs> Bro, that is so dope, dude. Don't be ashamed of that. Bro, when I was in, when I was in middle school, I would have like basketball cards in my binder nothing so, wrong with that so people would be like oh that's it's the guy with the bat the basketball cards yeah but then when i got to high school i would i would print out go to the library and print out pictures of like my favorite basketball players mm-hmm. and i'd slip them into the- <laughs> <laughs> hey you always had to rock who you were dude like yeah. or what you were interested in yeah i was never ashamed um so what are you doing now these days other than selling beer uh i uh i've like played guitar um oh damn since i was in like high school probably my brother had played guitar like growing up like my whole life and um like growing up i think between maybe like 10 to, like maybe like 12 or 13 i was just like really annoyed by guitar just because he'd play all the time and he'd play his acoustic so it was just like 
really <laughs> loud or not like really loud but just like kind of obnoxious at times yeah and you'd be like dude just play your electric like shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> and um so like when i had turned maybe like 14 yeah like 14 i'd bought a ukulele just to like fuck around on it like not take it seriously and i was the only reason like i'd really bought in it because there's this band called beirut and the singer he plays ukulele and at that time i was like really loved that band yeah and um so i'd bought it and then i had told my brother like min maybe when i was like 15 i was like i want to learn guitar he was like well learn guitar <laughs> and this fool like comes over with his guitar one day and like he teaches me like chords kind of like he teaches me a c chord and i'm like yeah my fingers hurt like is this supposed to happen <laughs> so like uh eventually like i learned like all my basic chords after yeah. that like c g f a minor e all of that like all the simple chords and i kind of stopped playing when i was like 18 just because i was busy with like college and yeah. just like working all the time and stuff and I also felt like I didn't have the creative output to like put anything into my guitar at the time. And then maybe when I was like 17 again, I, or nine, 19, yeah, like a year later, I'd picked up guitar again. And um, at that time, I was like really into like country and folk music. Oh, me too, dude. I'd like always been in the country. country like country and folk music but like closeted and (laughs) (laughs) just because like you tell that to someone it's just like oh what kind of music do you listen to i'm like country folk (laughs) dude i love folk music man it helped me get through college because like it's like white noise to me yeah like i could do work to it like i can't listen to like kendrick and get homework done yeah if i listen to kendrick it's gonna like make me channel my emotions and like be all sad or or do whatever that's funny, dude. Um, let's see. Dang, I'm kind of stumped. Like, no, that's what I was gonna ask you. Yeah, it just slipped my mind right now. I I was thinking about it as you were talking. Um, if you had like top five metal bands ever, like, how would you list them? Uh, I don't really listen to metal, like or hardcore punk. Hardcore punk. Uh, like right now, I'm really listening to. A lot of uh, Big Cheese, funny Big name. Cheese. Yeah, they're a band from the UK, Ooh. and uh, very like Chromags influenced. Yeah, and uh, they're literally my definition of a perfect hardcore band. Like, I don't want to listen to any other band, uh-huh. kind of thing. But um, it'd probably be them. Uh, I've also been listening to a lot of Dare. They're a band from California. Um, did you say dare exactly <laughs> exactly no yeah um that band dare they're actually a straight edge band and wow. they all don't smoke or do drugs or anything and that's what a lot of their songs are about just like being Dude, straight edge and what they should do is like make a song for cm punk <laughs> so he, can, he can come back to wrestling dude that would be kind of cool i know cm punk is like really into hardcore and punk music too yeah 
Um, speaking of CM Punk, I'm going off on a tangent here. I'm no, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, I visit like Chicago often because my aunt and my cousins live there. Yeah. And uh, I like always pass by his uh, house whenever I'm there. Wow. Yeah. He. Well, I don't know if he still lives there, but uh, he lives in like Wicker Park, which is like a predominantly like hip hipster neighborhood <laughs> he seems like he'd be like into that um so like, let's talk about wrestling now then since you brought it up uh or i brought it up really but yeah um what was like your favorite era of wrestling i mean it's an obvious answer but the attitude area really yeah obviously my my counter argument to that is i feel like the ruthless aggression era is the best I, the only reason why I say that is because he still had Attitude Era guys. Like, even though The Rock and Stone Cold were, like, fading out. Like, The Rock was in Hollywood. Stone Cold was there as general manager. Um, yeah, he was injured. Oh, uh, yeah. Cause, you know, his neck. But I feel like you still had, like, you still had Taker. You still had those people from the Attitude Era. Like, you still had the Hardys for a moment. The Dudleys are still around. Mm-hmm. Edge and Christian. Uh, like, you had all these people. And then you had, like, Cena, Batista, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero. Like, you just had, like, a mix of all these guys. And, like, it was actually two different brands. So, like, legit, like, that was, like, the Bloods and the Crips right there. Mm-hmm. I was a SmackDown kid. Like, yeah, I, I've always favored SmackDown over Raw. Because Raw was, like, eh. Like, it had Triple H. Like seeing uh, seeing Cena on SmackDown was like was awesome. <laughs> like he just had the best mic skills. Oh the my best. gosh, dude! Some of the stuff that he said though, he can't not repeat nowadays. But man, he was like lethal on that mic. I mean, he's lethal to this day. Like, um, I I don't know if you saw the the feud that him and Roman Reigns had. No, I haven't watched oh wrestling in a God. bit. If you want to entertain yourself. And see, like, John Cena, like, flicks who he is on the mic. Like, hey, <laughs> don't forget who I am. Yeah. Like, so him and Roman Reigns were feuding. And, you know, Roman was taking jabs at Cena because he's a part-timer. Kind of the same way that Cena took jabs at The Rock. Except Cena did it in a better way. Uh, but John Cena would come at him and he's like, I can do this part-time better than you could ever do it full time <laughs> and i'm like dude he's like see a fourth wall dude like cena was oh my gosh incredible like roman would stutter on his words and he's like it's a promo kid he's like he gotta learn to cut one to be here and i'm like bro like what the hell like cena like i don't care what anyone says like he's like top two on the mic all the time yeah absolutely like, um cena always killed it that was like <laughs> One of the main reasons why I loved watching wrestling was because of the dialogue and just like all the shit talking. Like, yeah, dude, it's so much fun. Like, oh my god, like I want to, like I've always wanted to cut a promo. Like I did a story on a wrestling school earlier this year, and I just wanted to cut a promo. <laughs> I was like, hell no, dude. These guys like they do this for a living. Like, yeah, I'm a fan, but I don't know, man. Uh, who are you? Top five wrestlers. I'm going to have a pretty controversial uh, list. Let, let me hear it. Um, I don't, well, I don't know if it's controversial. Uh, just because I don't really watch wrestling much nowadays. <gasps> I feel like I know who you're going to say. Who am I going to say? I don't know. Wait. Uh, is, I mean, it was, is, is, he a, is he a murderer? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay, okay. I was like... Uh, although he was a really good wrestler. Like, he was, he was the prime, like... 
definition of like what wrestling should be yeah he was crazy um jeff hardy oh nice yeah yeah for sure um stone cold i guess um stone cold sting oh i like that yes dude sting like even before he was the black and white face mm-hmm. like he was incredible wrestler rick flair like they always went at it yeah um devon dudley devon not Bubba Ray, Devon. No, yeah, Devon, brother Devon. Wow. Yeah, that, I loved is, I loved watching him wrestling. Uh, wrestle. It was a. Uh, it was always a good time. It was always fun. It was. He always knew how to like work the crowd, and I loved that. Ooh. <laughs> uh, wrestlers. That's a good. I've never heard that before. Wow, that's that's a really good pick, actually. It's a dark horse right there. And then I guess the fifth one. I said four already, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess fifth one would be like Matt Hardy. I've always loved watching Matt Hardy wrestle. I've always... I don't don't like watch... Like, I know like now his character on WWE is kind of... He's with AEW now. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, good to know. He ditched... Like, he brought the, the actual real, like, you know, broken Matt Hardy... Um persona character yeah because when he went to wwe it was woken because of copyright stuff but he's broke he brought it back as broken but he ditched that he's like you know what like i'm just gonna be me like i don't need this gimmick anymore it worked at impact didn't work at wwe but it's like so he kind of ditched that yeah i've always thought he was a great wrestler though i always thought that he was a better wrestler than jeff jeff was just better at spots where like yeah it's like he has like more like oh my jaw-dropping moments for you like he had way more than matt but like i feel like matt was always a really good wrestler definitely like edge spearing uh jeff hardy like while he's holding the belt (laughs) like that was insane i remember watching that as a kid and i was like is he dead (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) like 20 feet 30 feet up in the air and like edge just spears the fuck out of him in midair no dude the one the spot where uh i think it was the wrestlemania where he's on that ladder that's like in the the entrance way mm-hmm. where he's like on that super tall ladder like bro like he could fall like into the crowd yeah like if that goes wrong and then he just does the swanton i think it was on bubble ray i think it was bubble ray or bubble ray or divine but bro, that was freaking high. I'm like, yeah. this guy's crazy. He uh, definitely put his body on the line just for our entertainment, which is kind of insane. I know, and like, I, I feel bad for him because, like, I feel like that's why he did a lot of drugs and like pills and stuff. Yeah, but I hate it. like WWE brings that pack as a storyline over and over. I'm like, bro, like leave the man, like leave the man alone, like mm-hmm. leave his past alone, like. You can do a creative storyline without having to bring back his past. Exactly. Like, I don't, like, you don't want him to go back to that. Like, what if, like, something, like, triggers him? Yeah, even, like, watching that uh, TNA match with, like, him and, uh, him and Sting. Sting. Yeah. Yeah, that was, like. That was hard to watch. Really rough to watch. Like, he could barely even walk down, like, to the ring. That was rough. That was, that was really sad. Dang, dude. That is an interesting top five. Like, Wow. Now, for me, it'd be Shawn Michaels, Eddie Guerrero. Eddie uh, Guerrero, I forgot him. Dude, love Eddie Guerrero. I feel like Rey Mysterio is coming back into my top five. Um, 
dang, I can't think of my top five right now. Not, I love The Undertaker. I think Undertaker should be in everyone's top five, but like, he's not in mine. <laughs> it's so stupid to say, like, because he's incredible. Like, I forgot how great in the ring he was, like, athletically. Mm-hmm. The dude would leap clear the, the top rope. Yeah, and he's like freaking tall, like, just huge. He's not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Um, dang. It'd be like, Tim Duncan, like, shooting threes. <laughs> I, I don't know much about basketball, but that's, like, my best basketball no, analogy. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> Dang, so it's, I remember Eddie Guerrero, Shawn Michaels. Uh, dang, who else did I like growing up? Because it's, it's very hard. I feel like it changes all the time for me. Like, I feel like AJ Styles has to be in my top five right now. That dude is incredible. Oh, yeah. He he's, is. he's killing it at the WWE. Which is rare for someone to leap from one company to there. Like, even with the NXT guys, they move them up and then, like... They kind of die out. They die out because of the way WWE uh, books them. Oh, Chris Jericho! Chris, Chris Jericho. Jericho! Oh, my gosh. I I may put Christian on my list. Too. Christian? Christian's a great wrestler. Yeah, he is. Shoot, my Edge might be on mine, too, because Edge... Edge, yeah. Edge was always a really good wrestler. Guy... <laughs> killed it dude seeing him come back from the neck injury nine years after he retired at the royal rumble in houston that's probably the only great thing that's happened in 2020 <laughs> literally dude like he comes down like his music hits and everyone's like what the hell i'm like what i'm like on my bed i remember i was eating domino's pizza on my bed because <laughs> i didn't have a couch yet in my living room the life of a journalist yeah so i'm like eating pizza i'm like what the hell like what is going on and Seen the look on his face where like like he wanted to cry. Yeah. I wanted to cry, but he's like looking around, feeling the energy. Then the documentary came out like a month or two later and they show like behind the scenes footage where like uh, his wife, um what's her name? Um Beth Phoenix. Mm-hmm. She's in the back and she's crying as he's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my heart. Yeah. This is so beautiful. Just like seeing all those fans like cheer for him like oh my gosh that's like something that that's a wrestler that we all grew up on and he was like the perfect heel mm-hmm. he was literally the perfect heel bro do you remember when um he cashed in the money in the bank on cena yes i hated him <laughs> bro there was only one guy in the hood in our yeah. in our neighborhood who had who watched the pay-per-views and i'm mad he never invited me dude he never invited us but he was like a weird kid but the next day we would sit at the, at the breakfast table and he'd tell us what happened on the pay-per-views so then I was like, did Cena win the Elimination Chamber? Bro, I still remember how he was saying. He had his, both his, like, his hands like this, you know, together. His fingers pressed against his mouth. He did, but... And then he, when he says but, he points at us. But Edge is a champion. And we we're like, what? <laughs> he wasn't even in the match. Like, we were freaking, like, we were like, what? He's like, he cashed in the money in the bank? I'm like, that's how that briefcase works? Because it was the first time... Yeah. The, like someone ever cashed in so we didn't know the rules like the rules constantly change now yeah i feel like for that or that time that was like really premature like the Bro. writers didn't have that figured out <laughs> vince mcmahon didn't have that figured out he's like uh so you just hand it to vince and then you, you're good to go like it was weird dude <laughs> but it's funny you say that too and then another heel moment for edge was i don't know if you remember when um he beat the undertaker so the undertaker Faced against Batista in a cage match. Undertaker wins by a half a second. Like, he hits the ground before Batista. Mm-hmm. 
Mark Henry comes out, beats the living crap out of him. And then all you hear is, you think you know me. But this is when SmackDown was taped on Tuesdays and aired on Fridays. Ah. So I'm at my, my cousin's house and he had a computer. And um, he, we just went on the WWE website just to get on it. Then we just see a headline. Edge wins World Heavyweight title. And we're like, what? <laughs> so we click on it and it was like an article. It was like, oh, uh, Undertaker defeated Batista, Mark Henry, yada, yada, yada. Edge catches in on Undertaker. I was like, what? And this is before like spoil like spoilers were kind of a thing. Yeah. But that was a huge spoiler. I remember going to school the next day. You know what Vince McMahon said to that writer? You're you're fired! <laughs> Dude, that was freaking great. Oh my gosh. Dude, that was really good, dude. You sounded like Vince right now, man. Yeah. Wow. I, I am Vince McMahon. You are Vince McMahon? Do you, I am. Do you strut when you deliver beer? Or you sell uh, beer to people? Uh-huh. No, so, no sometimes I, I do deliver beer. Um, just if, like, my driver has a heavy day kind of thing. But what's the... Um, What's your favorite spot to, like, if you do deliver, what's your favorite spot to deliver to? Uh, I don't think I have a favorite spot, but, I mean, I, I sell all over town. Like, I, I sell in all of San Antonio and Bernie as well. So, like, I'm just driving a lot. So, Damn. I don't think I have a favorite spot, yeah. but when bars were, like, still open, I think, like, my favorite spot like to end my day at like maybe if i was like doing a delivery or something and if they needed it yeah was uh mad pecker it's kind of near my house it's a brewery and they also have like guest taps as well oh nice and they're awesome people and uh, before i started working doing this job uh as a salesperson for the distribution company i work for i used to work at mad pecker too and okay. before i worked at mad pecker i'd that was like my hangout spot. I always go there like on Saturdays and Sundays and just hang out and bullshit with everyone there. Is that, is that where the rocker fools go to? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's like a it's like a neighborhood brewery and a lot of people like don't live on that side of town who are necessarily yeah. into craft beer. Uh-huh. So like they don't really want to drive all the way over there kind of thing. But I like it because it's by my house and I love everyone who works there like ray and kareem jason and erica everyone uh jason and erica they're both husband and wife and they both own it and they're like the coolest people in the world yeah yeah so usually i end every episode by um telling people talk your ish so talk your ish is basically you can rant about something you can praise yourself about something lo que sea uh I just want to reiterate, you don't uh, flock from the Bach. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, uh, take, take care of yourselves right now, like, and appreciate yourselves and love yourselves. It, shit's really hard and difficult, and uh, it takes a really strong person to do that. But do what i always try and do throughout my days is um do the little things that i love rather than like one big thing that i love you know and those little things add up so whether it be like waking up like 30 minutes earlier than like you normally wake up and having a cup of coffee sitting outside or some bullshit or 
Smoking a joint. <laughs> Kids, uh, give hugs, not drugs. Give hugs, not drugs. <laughs> no, uh, just like, take care of yourself, especially right now. Things really fucking suck, and they're not easy for anyone's, like, mental health. And with unemployment as high as it is, like, that's really stressful. And having a president in office that doesn't really care for us, or that doesn't know anything about common sense uh that's like really stressful to handle but um just take care of yourselves and do the little things that you love rather than like one big thing because those little things add up um also you could uh follow me on instagram and twitter at aaron drums aaron drums (laughs) underscore uh, my cash app is uh, dollar sign Aaron Aaron Bumps B U M P S, and uh, you can send me money through there so I could uh, buy some lambic from Belgium and uh, some really cool beer. So uh, much love to y'all, and y'all be safe and y'all be careful. Take care of one of one another. That was beautiful. That wraps it up for episode 20 of that One Vato's podcast. And remember, everybody, stay brown. You're fired! (laughs) What the hell? Dude, that sounds like...